It's Wednesday, December 19th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hell, joining me in studio today. It's Bill Mann. Hey, Chris. Good to see you, man. Glad to be here. How are you? Uh, I'm doing better than some of the businesses we're going to be talking about today. Um, all of the businesses we're going to be talking about? I don't know about all. I mean, you know, let's start with FedEx, which is having its worst day in 10 years. You're doing better than them. I'm doing better than I'm, I'm not a FedEx. You've had many worse days than today over the last 10 years. Yeah. Um, Second quarter profits for FedEx came in higher than expected, and I think it's fair to say that nobody cares about that. No, because Fred Smith, the CEO, came out on the call, cut guidance for 2019, and did not mince words. Brought the Molotov cocktails with him. Yeah. So, FedEx. How is this not a golden age of FedEx? Well, for a good stretch of time, look, this is a bad day to be a shareholder of FedEx. But in general, if you've been a shareholder of FedEx for the last 10 years, you're doing well. Yeah, you're doing great. But the stock is down 25% this year before today's drop. I believe that's right. It, you know, maybe including today's drop. You talk, I'll do the math. We could get some we we could get a math guy on this. And um you know, Fred Smith came out and he did not take too many prisoners. He he Basically, has said that uh, globally there have been a bunch of bad political choices that have hurt uh, FedEx all around the globe, and so he talked about the weakened Chinese economy due to the tariffs. He talked about uh, the immigration crisis in Germany, and I'm having a hard time figuring out how that ties in. But he went there, uh, the a bad tax decision, Brexit, and he said this is all causing a lot of uh, macroeconomic slowdown, and. Then came out and said that uh, they expected their earnings were going to be much lower next year. Uh, you know, between fifteen fifty and sixteen sixty a share down from about eighteen bucks. So, you know, record shipments, profits rose, uh, but um, you know, margins were down a little bit. But they are worried that uh, bad times are coming. So, with today's drop, the stock is down about thirty four percent year to date. That's amazing. And this is not. I mean, we we talked about this a few weeks ago. When Toll Brothers had their quarter, and and part of Toll Brothers' statement was essentially blaming the media. <laughs> Did they blame Brexit? Well, no, no, they blamed the media for publicizing that there's a housing slowdown. Yeah. It's like, hey, that's not this. This yeah. is Fred Smith laying a good chunk of the blame at political leaders. Yeah, in the yeah. United States and outside of the United States, he took himself off of a lot of Christmas card lists. <laughs> I mean, he he did, and you know, I can't I can't say that he's wrong. I mean, obviously, you're talking about a company that is truly the canary of the coal mine for how people are feeling right now, and those things are all making people feel worse and making them think maybe they need to batten down the hatches a little bit. So, yeah, one of the things that FedEx is doing also is that they announced that they're, you know, they're they've announced a buyout of their employees, uh, you know, and so they think they're going to save, you know, around 250 million dollars per year during this. They and, you know, again, they've hired a tremendous number of new employees this year. So, you know, they're they're battening down the hatches. So, we've seen other large manufacturers, I'm thinking primarily of General Motors, yep. uh, earlier this year offering a voluntary buyout and when not enough people step forward, they announced the layoffs. I mean, yep. it it seems reasonable to expect that it's not off the table that FedEx 
uh, would have layoffs in maybe the first half of 2019. Yeah, I mean, uh, yes, layoffs layoffs are possible. Keep in mind that uh, that FedEx's employee base is a little more seasonal than say GM's would be. So I'm sure layoffs will be a much later down the road you know decision for them, depending on how the buyouts go, because they'll be able just through attrition and just through seasonal you know, adjustments uh, change you know change their mix quite a bit. FedEx is one of those businesses that I think of. Look, no single company is a quote unquote bellwether of the economy at large, but I would put FedEx on the list of bellwether contributors, if you will. And and <laughs> bellwether esque. Yeah. yeah. And I'm yeah. and I'm curious if like if you agree, one, if you agree with that, and then two, are there other companies that you look at and you think, you know what, this, as much as any other single company, this is a good indication of the broader economy? That's a great question. I think that I, I, FedEx is probably the top of the list. Uh, I would say Amazon simply because they simply have such a broad base of things that they're selling to. Of course, their growth rates have been such that they're taking away from, you know, they're, they're taking away from a lot of other companies. Uh, Competitive sources, also you know, like the Mace Rich, the Class A mall operators. You know, people have said you know malls are in huge trouble. The malls that are really in trouble are the Class B and C ones. The Class A ones have done quite well, but those, if they start showing weakness, that's probably a pretty you know pretty good sign that the economy is uh, is is struggling. FedEx is down, but it is not a small cap. Uh, the Russell two thousand index. Uh, the, essentially, the small cap index yeah. uh, officially became our our first bear of the year. Yeah, here in the United States, officially in bear market territory. Yeah, uh, since August, it's dropped twenty percent, and so by definition, that means that uh, small caps in the U.S. are in a bear market. And so the the Russell two thousand is a basket of two thousand companies, as the name might suggest, with a median market cap of about nine hundred and sixty four million dollars, and. You know, so a lot of people think that uh, that that small caps are a little bit more sensitive to to the U.S. economy. Um, you know, and so fluctuations in the economy would make them more sensitive. Um, I happen to kind of think that that's garbage, but that's <laughs> well. I mean, over the last five years, the S and P 500. And I won't make you do this math. I actually looked it up. Has gained 16.5 percent per year, and the Russell. Um, has gained only five percent, and I think a lot of that has to do with the Fang stocks, and I also think it has to do with indexing. And so I think that probably the Russell is a little bit more levered to people who are making actual bets on a company by company basis, and you know, and so where are you going to go when you're you know when you're nervous, you're going to pull away from that first. So do you look at? Uh the Russell 2000, I mean, down 20%. Is that does that get interesting to you at all uh, as an investor? Well, yeah. I mean, when you think about what a market of 2,000 companies being down uh, 20% means, that means some are down 5% and some are down 50, and some of those that are down, you know, 40 and 50%. Also happen to be companies that have done very, very well over the last few years. I mean, really, really good companies like Align, you know, for example, is down forty some odd percent, uh, you know, since uh, you know since the peak in August. And these are great companies. And 
if you believe that they will continue to be great companies, the time that you would like to buy them is when they are, you know, when they are under a little bit of pressure. So yes, I am very, very interested in, you know, in in some of the opportunities that this type of uh, disruption in the gradual and uh, inevitable rise of the market gives us. This is a nuts and bolts question. Does the Russell two thousand? Do they rotate those stocks on a quarterly basis? Uh, so the Russell Corporation uh, is very CIA like in how they do things. You're well, you know, you're perfectly, you're perfectly welcome to pay them for, you know, for their, uh. you know, for their data. Um, but yes, I mean, in actuality, they do, you know, they, 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 they do reconstitute. I think it's every six months. I might be wrong about that. So, yeah, so it'll get it'll get reconstituted again, uh, you know, sometime, you know, sometime soon. I'm not paying you for your appearance here, so I'm certainly not going to pay the Russell Corporation for the answer to that question. Yes, I, I, I gave it my best shot, and it is, you know, it is, it is worth what you paid for it. But yes, they do reconstitute. So, over the last two to three years, we've gotten a lot of questions about Robinhood, mm-hmm. and it's particularly from younger investors. Which is Robinhood is an app that appeals to younger investors, and it's, a, it's, it's usually some version of the same question, which is, hey. What do you guys think of Robinhood? Yeah, um, Robinhood is a you know startup a fintech company. Uh, made some headlines recently because they announced they were offering, and I I think I may have heard this on the radio when I was driving around last week, and I just remember hearing it and thinking, wait, is that true? Is that real? <laughs> they announced last week that they were going to start offering checking and savings accounts with zero fees, yeah, and a three percent interest rate. And I thought, wait a minute, that's hard. If, if that's true, yeah, I, I, I might want to move my checking account to them if they're going to if they're going to give me three percent. And then immediately I thought, <laughs> wait a minute, is that sustainable? So so where where does it go from there? Not only is it not sustainable, but it turns out that Robinhood's not a bank, so they can't offer either checkings or savings accounts or what they offered, which was. Checkings and savings accounts, so you know, ostensibly one account that was checkings and savings, which uh, Matt Levine, who's a fantastic columnist for Bloomberg, described as the magic ampersand because it meant it was perhaps neither a checking account nor a savings account. It was this new thing, but uh, the SIPC, which is the Securities Investors Protection Corporation, came out and said, "No, you." Cannot do that. You're not a bank. You, you know, the everything about what you're doing is a little bit weird and perhaps illegal. But so we would suggest that you that you make another choice. And by the way, the three percent and zero fees in this rate environment that seems pretty tough. You know, so uh, this is really a story of what happens when a financial technology company you know runs fast and breaks things. And it turns out one of the things that you can't break is you know your regulator. So <laughs> so they came out and they kind of gave uh, what I would describe as a kind of a half-hearted we're sorry we didn't you know we didn't quite get this right but in actuality they got swatted across you know you know they got swatted pretty hard by the regulators. And so I kind of wonder I kind of wonder with this I I love this story because I kind of wonder if it was almost like the new coke story like if they knew in advance that they couldn't do this but they just wanted to get a lot more attention for things that they can do or for whatever they're going to be, you know, whatever they're going to be releasing next. 
or if they really truly didn't know. And I don't know which is more likely. I kind of like to think this conspiracy theorist in me kind of likes to think that they knew exactly what they were doing and that they couldn't do this. Uh, I don't know. I mean, we, we've certainly seen. You know, one example that comes to mind is Urban Outfitters, which every couple of years also, yeah, a bank, <laughs> also not a bank, also not a bank. <laughs> uh, every couple of years, Urban Outfitters will have some article of clothing that that sparks outrage, and they'll, right. they'll immediately. And that to me is different. Like in those situations, I'm more willing to believe. <laughs> okay, we're going to get a backlash for this, but we're going to get a lot of attention for this, and and that that's sort of thing. true. Whereas, like, I, I don't know that you want to necessarily do things <laughs> to get attention to get the. It's one thing to get the attention of the public. It's another thing to get the attention of regulators. That's right. It's like the Starbucks Christmas cup versus you know controversy versus actually making your regulators think that you're bozos. That may not be a long term you know uh, you know something that's long term sustainable because you don't want to ring the dinner bell at your regulators ever. Every once in a while, I will swing by the desk of our chief legal. Counsel here at the Motley Fool, Lawrence Greenberg. When, Great guy. when when something like this is happening, and I'll just say to him, I don't know what kind of day you're having, but look on the bright side. <laughs> at least at least you're not a lawyer for insert name up, you know. And in this case, it's like, hey, at least you're not the head lawyer at Robin Hood because they're having a hell of a week. That's right. <laughs> they're having some excitement, which lawyers will generally tell you is not the kind of thing that they like to have. Uh, before we wrap up, we're Less than a week before Christmas, but uh, today, yeah, today special day in your family. It is a special day in my family, and I wanted to actually give a shout out to you. My daughter Hannah is nineteen today, and happy birthday, Hannah! Yeah, happy birthday, Hannah! Um, if you guys want to, you know, listeners out there want to come wish her happy birthday, come to my Twitter feed at uh, TMF Otter and tell her, you know, tell her hi and happy birthday. I would love that, and she would love it. But Chris Hill has a very important role in my very early uh, fatherhood, which. Happened night a conversation that happened 19 years ago today, which was you know it turned out to be the night that Hannah was born, and Chris's daughter, your daughter was June of July, 99, July of 99. Yeah. So Chris came up to me and you said, "I'm going to tell you something that no one else is telling will tell you. No one else. The first two weeks of being a parent is hell." And you're gonna feel bad, and you're gonna wonder why you're feeling bad because nobody's telling you, and I am the one. Who's, who's who's here to say you're not crazy? And it was. I've told this story. I've I've said this to people more times than I can count. And it was a really really valuable conversation because it was spot on. <laughs> <laughs> but happy birthday to Hannah. The remaining eighteen years and fifty weeks have been pretty good. I suppose I could have been that could have been worse. I could have said you're in for the worst Christmas. Ever. That's right. If I had couched it that way. Right. Bet you didn't think your Millennium New Year's was going to be. Special. <laughs> like this. Uh, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Chris. As always, people in the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about in the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Forward. Shows mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.
Yeah. 